welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you, our Sacred City family, follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. But if you are listening and you are technically not a part of our Sacred City family, we do want to welcome you and thank you for listening in. We know that we're getting listeners from kind of all around these days, and so if you want to send us an email and uh, let us know where you're from. We'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to share us on social media or give us a like or a rating on uh, the podcast, whatever you're listening, wherever you're listening to it, Spotify or iTunes, it really helps other people find us and we really appreciate it. So thank you so much for doing that. On the podcast today, I've got all the gentlemen with me. Guys, you want to say hi? How's it going, guys? Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Kevin Kinor, Pastoral Assistant. And this is Rob Spikstra, Pastor of Discipleship. All right. And I have been busy with uh, getting the building ready and getting everything we need ready to buy a building. If you haven't heard, we're buying a new building. And a lot of work's been going into that right now. And I'm busy um, studying and preaching for the new sermon series. And so Mm -hmm. I haven't had too much on my plate right now as far as podcast topics, but you guys brought some ideas (laughs) to me. And, uh, and they look like good ones, and they look like something we need to get into. So, Rob, I think you're up today. If you want to tell us what we're talking about? Yeah, I am up today, and we're going to be talking about what's called the sex-positive movement. And what strikes struck me about this is that this is something that has been... I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to interrupt you, sorry. Yeah. I, I don't mind the name, sex-positive sex. Right, right, so, right. It sounds pretty good. It does sound pretty good, right? But... but if it's like most things <laughs> in our culture today, like pro-choice, mm-hmm. well, that sounds kind of good until you find out what it is, and then right. it sounds demonic, and then uh, gender-affirming care, that sounds pretty good mm-hmm. until you get into it, and that sounds like that's demonic. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm sure sex positive probably is going to be something it, negative. <laughs> <laughs> we're living Boy, in an upside-down world. You, right. The, the, the world we're living in, you're absolutely right. This is not, it's not positive, uh, but we, I think we can, we, can, we can kill there. We can get to the positive things that God has to say with regards to sex. But the, what struck me about this one is that, uh, is that it's become, in a sense, uh, formalized. So there's actually a nonprofit organization. It's a nonprofit organization uh, called Sex Positive World, in which it is posted guiding principles. So again, I, what struck me about this is that as I was kind of just reading in the introduction of what it is, I thought, well, yeah, that's we've been hearing about this quite a bit. What would, what really hit me was that, oh no, they've now have principles. They have guiding principles. They have a website. They have a, a, a nonprofit organization that is trying to kind of press this out into our world, into our culture. So here is, I'm going to give you a definition of what it is, um, uh, how they've defined it, um, uh, their vision, as they say. So here it is. So it's a vision of uh, stating this way, sex positive vision as creating a world where all expressions of sexuality are respected and protected and consensual sexuality and pleasure are seen as natural, healthy, and connecting. Okay? Mm-hmm. So there's your, there's your definition. Um, and I, I think where you have to immediately step back and say, okay, there's something wrong here. When you hear these words, all expressions of sexuality mm-hmm. are respected and protected. It sounds uh, like the only limit, limiter on any of that was consent. You got it right. So wow. the only limiter is as long as it is consensual, then anything goes. 
Um, so they, again, kind of just description here of what they're talking about. We're talking about uh, open sex uh, inside and outside of marriage, erotic fantasies, pornography use, uh, polyamory, non-binary binary gender expression, swinging, other personal sexual gender expressions, preferences that is free to change at any time depending on one's personal whims and wishes. And so right now, you're right there, whims and wishes, you're beginning to understand kind of what's underneath this or what was the idea that was behind this mm. really 20, 30 years ago when we began to say maybe there is no absolute truth. You can begin to see where, where this has kind of played itself out when it comes to, sex, to sexuality. So before we, go, before we go any further or before we kind of maybe talk into this a little bit, I just want to a proponent, this is a psychologist, of this sex-positive movement, so now we're using a psychologist here is using his, his degree um, to kind of push this forward. He says, fundamentally, I think sex positivity is about looking at sex through the lens of natural playfulness and curiosity that has no strict agenda, judgment, mm. or pressure. Mm. Or another, another proponent, a sex therapist, uh, her name is Vanessa Marion, says, being sex positive means you get to declare this is my body, this is my life, these are my desires. Mm. So there's your kind of your formal declaration, if you will, of what it is and kind of the proponents behind it who are, you know, so these are psych- this is a psychologist, this was a sex, sex therapist who are thinking that this will be good and that this will be uh, helpful to, to people um, that are kind of maybe wrestling with, with their understanding of sexuality. So... There you go. Fascinating. Yep. Got you, got you set up for uh, kind of going a little bit deeper into this. I mean, I, my brain immediately goes to several different places. Number one, what, what is the view of the human person that's behind this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what is sex for? And mm-hmm. in, in, in the view of the human person and what is sex for behind this mm-hmm. whole movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was all pleasure-centered. Yes. It was all pleasure-centered. So yep. what is a human being made for? Mm-hmm. Pleasure. Pleasure. That's right. Yeah. What's fascinating to me is how this is so technologically dependent. So this could not be true in any other human civilization in history. Mm. Because in order for this to be true... Sex, sex must be separated from procreation. Right. Right. Sure. Right? Yep. Because if you're having sex and you're making babies, like that comes with responsibilities. Right. Right? Yep. You have to take care of those babies. You have to clothe those babies. You have to feed those babies. So you can't just reduce sex down to a pleasurable, a pleasurable experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You actually have to, to, you have to grope with the, rea- the God-given reality that human beings, male and female, when they come together, they are, they have the um, potential to mm-hmm. make life every time they come together in, in the sexual act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So, one of the first things that popped in my mind as like you're describing this is how strange of a world we live in. And by the way, the more I'm studying, not just what this topic is, but the idea of the human person what sex is, mm-hmm. how um, things like birth control have 
changed, radically reshaped humans' understanding of sex. The Catholics, when the, the debates were raging over, mm-hmm. over co- contraception, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say they were right. Mm-hmm. Evangelicals were, we, were wrong. Uh, Protestants were wrong. They kind of just thought, oh, no big deal, no big deal, no big deal. The stuff the Catholics were saying back in the, I think it was in the 70s, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. were right. Mm-hmm. They, said, they said contraception was going to lead to the breakdown of the family. Mm-hmm. It's undeniable. Mm-hmm. It has. Mm-hmm. It's led to all kinds of uh, destructive things in, in our society where we've now separated the sex from procreation itself. Yeah. And now we, for the, maybe the first time in human history, when you ask an American what sex is for, the first thing they might say is pleasure. Or yep. the experience, right? I mean, that's where you get the, the playboy that came around. It was all about the experience going in and having a great time. And once that blew up, now it's accepted in the culture. Mm-hmm. So it's a pleasure, yeah. So the technology you're talking about is, first of all, contraceptions. Yeah. That, that would be the technology that came into use, which then enabled then this... I don't have to have a consequence mm. to me chasing after. Now, mm-hmm. what you're talking about, which is pleasure, I can chase after pleasure outside the, outside you know the the biblical um, uh, marriage. Norms, yep. Yeah, yeah. So now and, and contraception, and then and then of course abortion. abortion. Yeah, abortion. Next. So yeah. if it does, if uh, contraception doesn't work, mm. or I don't feel like I want to use contraception, sure. mm-hmm. then I have to have abortion. So this it, sex as pleasure, this is a god. Mm-hmm. Little G God. Yeah. This is something outside of the bonds of God's norm for sex. God created sex to be procreative and pleasurable. Mm-hmm. So it's you get both of those things, right? Procreation and pleasurable. And it's and biologically we're meant to make babies until we women go through menopause, right? right. And then it's meant to be, you know, pleasurable. Pleasure. Just yeah. just pleasurable, right? Yep. But we, we wanted to free ourselves from the consequences of procreation. And we wanted to separate procreation from the pleasure. Mm-hmm. And it's created all kind of problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's one of the first things that, that I start thinking about when I, when I hear this is how strange. Mm-hmm. It's, like if we, right. if we could have a global perspective or a historical perspective, yes, right. how strange that that this would this concept would sound yeah yeah I would I would agree I'd, and and we could probably say right now if we went to a third world country these these are not issues that they're wrestling with they're wrestling with much more life and death kind of kind of issues we could mm-hmm. say that historically we could say that if we went back a hundred years you know we, the this would be in, in one sense almost difficult for. Uh, anybody to be imagining that we would be we would be wrestling with these kind of yeah. these kind of hundred years ago they'd be like why do you not want more children exactly right what, what, do, you, what do you mean yeah. Yeah, at least have five yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> like why would you not want more children right like what who's going to take care of you right who's gonna, you know like mm-hmm. they would know that so mm-hmm. <clears throat> because of the rise in contraception and different things we've separated sex as procreative act and sex is and sex is union as well mm-hmm. but theologically. From sex as pleasure, and mm. now we just want sex as pleasure. Well, once sex becomes just about pleasure, well, okay, because before you have the procreative act, you know 
homosexual sex is sinful. Mm. It's not procreative. It's against nature, right? These, these different things. But now when sex has been completely separated from procreation, now sex is pleasure theoretically can be done with anybody. Yeah. Right? Right. It's your preference, right? Right. Yeah, so so things like masturbation and things like pornography use and things like um, homosexuality and, you know, on and on and on, you know, mm-hmm. outside of, you know, sexual relations outside of the bonds of marriage, mm-hmm. swinging, mm-hmm. all these different things mm-hmm. were, his, were just historically condemned mm-hmm. by society at large, mm-hmm. right? And they, they knew they were bad for society because... What's good for society is procreation, the, the having family systems that are solid and not not broken. That's what that's what makes a fa- that's what makes a society um, thick mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, solid. I, the words I keep I keep want to use is, is solid. So um, a, a, a society that is held together by familial bonds. Mm-hmm. But if we are if once we just become individuals and we have no longer real connections with our families now sex as procreation or or sex as pleasure it can be just spread around to anybody yeah. and it it can be ultimately destructive to the family bonds because we don't really care we're, we're we think of ourselves solely as mm-hmm. individuals yeah. expressive individuals but also it could be even scarier where you have this 45 year old guy or girl that wants to now have sex with a 12 year old right because once we accept these things what what else is next well and, and the the word that they're saying is protecting all this is consensual that's the only word that they're using now as a means to say okay here is the here's the here's the boundary the boundary is if it's not consensual then it's not positive which is and interesting, ra- okay? Because in this article, mm-hmm. um, the the one Rob sent out an article on this, it says sex is seen as a part of the human experience that should be void of any externally imposed borders or boundaries. Interesting. And so when you get inside of that worldview, like this is postmodernism, right? Mm-hmm. Because consent, by definition, is an outside boundary that mm-hmm. another person is putting on you. Yep. And so even even the internal witness of this movement by definition is hypocrite. Yeah. is right. hypocritical. Yeah. hypocritical. So yeah. I think the consent thing currently we, we say things like someone under the age of 18 sure. does not have the ability to consent. Sure. So a child doesn't have the ability to consent because they don't know what they're consenting to mm-hmm. is how we've described it. Sure. But we also know within this movement, they are, they want, they want to get rid of that. Yeah. They want to get rid of that. Um, limitation hmm. because there's organizations out there that believe in uh, I think it's called like the NAMBLA or something like that, North America Man Boy Love Association they they believe that children they believe that human beings are sexual from birth mm. and they think sexuality is meant to be normed from, from the, so they, so children should be able to be part, partake in sex acts from Birth, from birth, from from you know early childhood, yeah, and they say, oh, the only reason we have consensual laws and the only reason we think that we should wait until you're married and all these things is because religion put constrictions on us and we need to free ourselves from this and everything is meant to be, um, everything's just meant to be kind of free love and no you know open borders yeah. and no restrictions on things. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, we're not there yet, but with the way 
the speed our mm -hmm. society is moving. No, this is where they're pushing us. Yeah. So the bus that's driving the LGBTQ plus uh, movement, they're, they're, they're Nambla people on that bus. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. There are people driving that bus that will not quit. So it's not just about gays getting the right to marriage, right, right to marriage. It's not just about transgender people getting their own bathrooms. They will not stop until they can get to the children. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, this is, they're on the same bus. They're going in the same, same direction. And it's all grooming children towards their own perverted sexual fantasies. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is. That's where it's all going. Now, here I think it's important behind that. So here's an idea, and you had just mentioned it, and I think it's important for us to be talking about it for just a minute here because it's, it's the idea that is kind of central to this belief that I should be able to do whatever I want to do is this expressive individualism. Mm. So in this expressive individualism, it holds authenticity as a high value. In other words, it is believed that to be true, happy, truly happy and free, one must be authentic to one's personal wishes, feelings, and desires. Mm. So I just wanted you to think, how many times in the past 20 years have you heard churches that promoted authenticity for a virtue? They want you to, they want, we have authentic community. We mm -hmm. want to be authentic here. We want to be authentic here. We want to be authentic mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Well, now this idea of authenticity, it is just morphed and shaped. And now authentic, authentic, <laughs> authentic doesn't mean integrity. No. Like integrity, integrity means, hey, who you say you are, you actually are all the way down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, don't be a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. Jesus was big. Don't be a hypocrite. Now this, this supposed virtue of authenticity now that has morphed into whoever you feel that you are inside. So it's, it's tied itself to sexual desire specifically. Mm -hmm, right. Whoever you feel you are inside, it, you must be authentic to that desire. Mm -hmm. So again, if, you feel, if you're a woman and you feel attracted to girls, then you must be authentic. That's the number one virtue. Be authentic to that, that real self you find in there. Mm -hmm. Don't repress it. Don't... Uh, you know, try to repent for it, you must kind of un unleash, unleash that desire, right? Because that's mm -hmm. who you really are. That's your authentic self down inside there. Now, I don't know if they use this kind of verbiage, but you can begin to hear, because you, you used it in terms of, it's almost re has religi religious undertones, which I think it is religious. I, uh, it's what they think is ultimate, is ultimate. But you said you, you should not repent of it, or I would say, they would say, it is a, I don't know if they use the word sin, but I'm going to use the word sin. They would say, it is a sin not to go after those desires that are deeply within you, that it would be, it would be at least they'd say, it'd be wrong. It'd, it'd, be, inauthentic. it'd be inauthentic, yeah. which is the core value of expressive individualism, is to be authentic to one's self. Mm -hmm. So it would but, be wrong of you if you didn't do this, right. from their perspective. <clears throat> Which causes us to, to go back and say, what do you mean self? Mm -hmm. Since when do you get to separate the self from your body? Hmm. Yeah. So in that sense, it's just another form of Greek dualism and Gnosticism. Right. right. It's like, wait, you're telling me your body, right? Your body mm -hmm. doesn't say anything about yourself. Your body doesn't inform yourself. So what is informing yourself? My feelings, my desires. 
your feelings and desires are one of the most um, unreliable and fickle parts about you. Your feelings are more malleable than any other part of your body. Yeah. Right? Your feelings can change so quickly. But your body is physical. Your body is real. Mm-hmm. Your body is stamped male all the way down or female all the way down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Biologically speaking, mm-hmm. with a 99.98% chance, we know if you are a male or a female strictly by which gametes your body produces, mm-hmm. ova or sperm. Right. Right? And so why doesn't that tell you who you are? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't your body tell you who you are? Why does your feeling tell you who you are? Mm-hmm. Right? Wh- where are you getting this idea of the self? Mm-hmm. Where is this coming from? Right? Um, so this ex- idea of expressive individualism that I, what I'm calling it now, I'm, I'm calling it, um, what, did, what did I just name it? I just named it. I, I'm, I'm going to preach it on Sunday, actually. It's um, something to do with a- autonomy, this idea of I am a law unto myself. Mm-hmm. I am not, or basically, I am my own, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, and they said that in there, like, I am my own. I can determine my own sexuality. Right. <clears throat> that this is a, a radical autonomy mm-hmm. that doesn't, it's not in line with reality. Mm-hmm. Because, yep. because you didn't come into this world spontaneously, out of yep. nothing. You didn't create yourself. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now you, you think that you can recreate the world in line with your own sexual fantasies. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's destructive, right? It's anti-creational, anti-Christian, and ultimately demonic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's not... Uh, the interesting thing is it's really not any further away from the garden, so from the fall, than any other generation. It's just another expression of the way that we have wanted to become autonomous. So you think about the garden, you think about the temptation that was given to uh, Adam and Eve, and, and ultimately the, the enemy... The serpent, Satan, was wanting Adam and Eve to question whether, really, whether God was good uh, to them and really was truly gracious and was really great and, you know, glorious, our four Gs that we talk about in terms of uh, God's character. And he got them to question whether or not whether or not God's law was good. And so they wanted to be a law unto themselves. And so the very law that God had given them was not to eat of the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is really, that's God's realm. God's realm is the one to determine what is good and evil. They said, well, I want to determine what's good and evil. And now this is where we see ourselves once again, same thing. I want to determine what is good sexuality or not good sexuality. It's all about how I feel about it. And that's what I should be be able to live out. So we haven't gone very far away from yeah. the garden, have we? But I, I mean, think, but I think just... what's interesting about the garden is they were being told something, right? Mm-hmm. They were being a consumer in that moment. And like for us, we're being consumers, right? We're With our phones, with TV and all the things. We're being told who we are. So are you getting your information from God or are you getting your information yeah. from the world? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I, you know, so obviously it's not going to be surprising that the sex positive movement sees traditional biblical sexuality as sex negative. negative. (laughs) So let's uh, let's maybe go down the road just a little bit to talk about well, is is what the Bible given to us sex negative or sex positive? So before we do that, I want to just okay, okay. uh, I want to let parents know that 
this sex positive, it's not just a nonprofit. This is the view of sex and sexuality that's being promoted in um, government. It's being legislated now with the Democrats in office. It's being pushed down through the Department of Education. This is hmm. the this is what the the national you know Department of Education is trying to force upon every school, every public school in the nation, to teach sex positivity. So, mm-hmm. and this is why um, we're hearing all kind of reports, local reports in our own school districts of all kind of sex acts happening in the school, on the school campus. Some of them are being filmed purposefully to go viral to get attention. Mm-hmm. Um, they're teaching this stuff in health class. They're mm-hmm. teaching how to have homosexual sex. They're teaching all these different things in public school um, classrooms. And it's being forced upon children, some of who are the, the, the neediest and weakest among us without a lot of parental support. Mm-hmm. And they're creating, they're grooming children for this sexual worldview that creates sex-addicted, perverted, and, sexu- and sexually abused children. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 it's literally, you know, destroying culture. It's, it's a anti-culture. Yep. In the words of, I think, Philip Reef, the sociologist who's right, it's an anti-culture. It's destroying the social fabric um, of our society. And so it's pushed, obviously, in nearly every music song you can listen to, it's you know not not Christian songs, it's it's pushed in uh, TV shows. Yeah, they're sexualizing children younger and younger and younger. You know, wanting children to be wearing crop tops and wanting them to look like uh, Kim Kardashian, all these different things. This sex positive movement, though it's being formalized and they're coming out with statements now, it's being been pushed for yeah. a long time. Correct. Yeah. For for a long time. So so, question here. You just you just named off a lot of stuff of how people actually live their everyday life, right? So what does it look like for the Christian to not just necessarily put their kids in a bubble, but also protect and love them in a sense of being able to li- live amongst the people? Yeah. First thing I would say is, you know what? Bubbles aren't bad. <laughs> Especially for children. Yeah. There's a reason we strap our children in car seats, right? right? They're, they're meant to be protected. Mm-hmm. And... We have to protect our children from these lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not, I can't tell you how many people that I've met, that I've counseled, that have been e- either in all, sexually abused, they've been, uh, they're now homosexual, they're now struggling with all kinds of gender, they're, they're dealing, and they were first groomed and abused as children. Yeah. yeah. All right? So we have to put our kids in a bubble if it means keeping them from sexual predators mm-hmm. and it's totally okay to put your kid in a bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I, I would rather my kid. <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I'm, well, you, well, you said, you said music, you're, you're talking about, I mean, yeah. Stuff that you see on TV. I mean, what, it, what in that era? Listen, I'm just going to push back on the whole idea of there's not, you don't have to let your kids watch TV. You don't yeah. have to let your kids listen to secular music. You don't have to, let your kids have unfettered access to Netflix. You don't have to do any of those things. You are not a bad parent if you keep your kid in a bubble that all they get is Christian material, Christian music, Christian song. Yeah. You're not. Now listen, why do I say that? Is because my mom raised me probably maybe possibly more out of fear, but she kept all that stuff from me 
And you know what I mean? Like I didn't necessarily rebel from it. It wasn't, I didn't grow up strange or weird mm. or whatever. Like it's a good thing. Yeah. My, my parents wouldn't let me have uh, secular music when I grew up. When I, they bought me uh, MC Hammer, an MC Hammer album. Hey. And I, I like, listen to this song, dad. It was like, you know, pray. It was like, yeah, yeah pray. And then this next one came on and it was super sexual. He pushed eject on the CD when we were driving in the car, threw it right out the window. Mm. <laughs> That's the old school parents in right there. Uh-huh. Gotta bring yeah. it back. For sure. Yeah. So I don't, I'm just like over this idea that our mm. kids need to be cultured in a way yeah. that we need them to be around sexuality. We need them to be right. around crash crass perverted disgusting music in yeah. order for them not to grow up Amish or something mm-hmm. like I just it's just ridiculous mm-hmm. we, no shelter your children mm-hmm. it's okay to shelter your children yeah. so I want to push back against that and then and then say yeah you know there, how, there are there ways as my children get older that I allow some stuff yeah. I want them to be able to deal with some stuff yes yeah. so we again we watch through through filters and we have things filtered and I'm in the room with them and we can push pause and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause you know, your kids are going to want to watch it cause all their friends are watching it and then you're yeah. going to watch it. Something's going to happen and they're going, Oh, it ain't that bad dad. And we're going to push pause and go, hold on. Yeah. What do you mean? That's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what they just said. Yeah. Right. So we've got to prepare our children for it. So, yeah. um, yeah, so that that was I don't know what you just said something that caused me to go on that rant. So I don't remember where we were going. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think it is it is it is healthy as they get older to begin to have those conversations. Those are the best conversations because mm-hmm. that's again we come back to Deuteronomy six and he's talking about you know we are we are to be as we're lying down as we're as we're rising up as we're on the walk whatever we're doing yep. just the ordinary everyday life. Mm-hmm we can actually create opportunities for some really great conversations that we have with our older students, our older children, as they're, we know as they're going get, to get ready to kind of go out on their own that we have already kind of talked through, give them that, give that an ability to be um, discerning of what they are seeing. And I think when we see, when we, you've been talking a lot about the Proverbs recently, I think what we see in the Proverbs, that's what he's trying to do is he's trying to help his son uh, to be able to be discerning of what is he seeing in front of him and and then is this good is this bad why is this good why is this bad kind of conversation so um, yeah I think there's a there's an opportunity there I also think we, we gotta name it for what it is um, this is a this is a sex cult like hmm. we're living in the midst of a sex cult yeah. right now yeah. um, the majority of female, Rappers and female um, pop stars, they are, they're trying to be some kind of sex goddesses. Yeah. And they want, they want worship. They want, really want the strength of men. They want to emasculate men. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a sex cult. Like we, we need to name it and we need to tell our children that. And we don't, we don't need to let our kids listen to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's actual, it's actual perverted filth. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, this article was rep, uh, referenced uh, uh, WAP. So who, yeah. who sang WAP? Cardi B. Cardi B. Mm-hmm. Was it Cardi B? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not going to say what it means. If you need, if you're a parent, and you should, and you need to Google it. But it was number one, and it was probably, and I think they said it was the most sexually explicit, uh, perverted number one hit in, in human history. Mm. Yeah. It's funny because you go back like whatever to the 60s and you look at like Elvis. You watch Elvis and Elvis was like the most sexual and uh, suggestive 
singer up until uh, up, or maybe he's in the 50s up until that time yep. you watch him on stage and you're like, you're like swinging his hips and you watch the people going crazy for him mm-hmm. right and now like like I think worship leaders probably dance more than he does in some <laughs> yeah. charismatic circles mm-hmm. yeah. you know what I mean yeah and now what now what are we having on stage we have absolute sexual acts happening it's, it's on gi- it seems like it's giving people experience in a fantasy where then now it's like you can live this well, look what Sam Smith did. I mean, I didn't watch it, but I saw yeah, clips yeah. from the next Grammys. day. At the Grammys, yeah. an absolute sex cult. Yep. He dressed up as the devil, had prostitutes grinding on him. Mm-hmm. He had tassels on his breasts, like mm-hmm. his man boobs. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, it was an absolute grotesque. Mm-hmm. It, and it, part of me is like, and th- it, it's funny because what, do you think this is attractive? Like, yeah. what, what do you think this is? Mm-hmm. You're a disgusting human being. And then Jay-Z with The Last Supper. Then you have Beyonce saying, thank God in the LGBTQ plus community, mm-hmm. which is At wild. The At the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a sex cult. It's mm-hmm. all a cult. We just need, need, we just need to name it. Mm-hmm. It's a cult. And so keep protect your children from the sex cult, mm-hmm. for sure. Because yeah. they want to destroy your children. Are any of those people happy? Are any of those people flourishing? Mm-hmm. Are any of those people walking with God? No. And they, we all know where they're going to go forever if they don't repent. Mm-hmm. We want our children to flourish. And that's where Rob was getting. The biblical view mm-hmm. of sex is actually beautiful. Yeah. And it is full. The Bible is full. Yes, is sex meant to be procreative? Yes, it is. But it's also meant to be pleasurable. And it's meant to be it, it used. It's almost like the sex is the super glue of marriage. Like, it's what unites you, and it, it's like that covenant renewal ceremony every time you come back together. Mm. And it's meant to be used over a lifetime. You read the so- Song of Songs, Solomon's Song, mm-hmm. and you read how he is sexually descriptive of his wife. Mm-hmm. He names her fruit, and he says, I want to climb up and grab hold him, taste your fruit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very positive. Like, that's sex positivity. Mm. Sex within the bonds of covenant marriage, mm-hmm. where there is no abuse, mm-hmm. where you can mutually give one to another, yeah. and and it's not um, done for profit, right? And what do I mean by profit? Obviously, you know, uh, um, prostitution is sex for profit, right? So, so I feel like sometimes people people hear um, you only have sex to have babies, like. You only have sex to have babies. That's it. It's not supposed to be good or enjoyable or those things. But I think the way you just explained that, like, it's it's good to be in the marriage and it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be great. Yeah. And I think some people miss that. It's not just only to have kids. When you're talking about a biblical view, that you're, you're yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. people have a wrong mm-hmm. view of it because yeah. they think, oh, that's just about procreation. Right. Yeah, right. Well, right. Uh, this is my cycle. Well, we, we, we only need to have sex now so that we can have kids. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no so- you're missing it if you're doing that. Right. It's the potential. It's not the actuality. It's the potential. Yeah. Every sexual act within confined, right within marriage is, yeah. is, has the potential to be procreative, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And and it's not the it's not actuality. And it's in your wife who is your garden, right? Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's your garden. That's your uh, what does what does Solomon say in in Proverbs? Um, your well, I think he calls it. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Your, your cistern. Cistern, yeah. Your cistern, mm-hmm. right? And so it's inside a covenant where it's not, um, it doesn't get brought into the marketplace. Mm. Right. So when you bring sex into the marketplace, then it gets 
demeaned as a good and service. Mm -hmm. So obviously prostitution, you go pay your 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever, and, and, and that demeans the sexual act to some kind of commerce. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing happens when you, when you make everybody promiscuous. And now what is it? It just costs me a dinner. It costs me a date. It cost mm -hmm. me a swipe, right? Yeah. It cost me a little bit of my attention. Um, and what is, and for a man, you know, he, he's giving away his, his, literally his, his seed and his, his potential. But for a woman, she's giving away herself, mm -hmm. right? She's, be, she's, she's uh, becoming a promiscuous woman. And we know statistically, the more sexual partners she has, the higher in depression she will be. Mm -hmm. And, the higher rates of suicide and all kinds of different things. So when you bring sex into the marketplace, it lowers the cost. It lowers the cost of it and it lowers the value of it. Right. right. And it demeans the individual. Yeah. It's inhumane. Mm -hmm. Right. You're becoming like a beast yeah. of the field. You're becoming like something less than made in the image of God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. Yeah. He promises us freedom and he gives us chains. Mm. He gives us shackles. And so why, um, why do these perverts in higher education and the government want to push this idea of sexuality on our children? Because they want your children in chains. They want them easy to control. Yep. They want them to e easy to manipulate. And uh, they want them slaves to the market. Mm. Mm -hmm. Slaves to the market. Pornography is a greater industry, makes more money than all of our national pastimes combined. Mm. More than NFL, more than NHL, more than Major League Baseball, more than the NBA, and you could combine a bunch of other ones. Pornography makes more money than any of them combined. Yeah. So that's why. They want sexual slaves to the market. Mm. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> well, good one, Rob. That's any, good one. any other thoughts before we close this down? Because that's – maybe we should – You know, I, I would say this. What is God calling us to? He is calling us to be free, yeah. truly yeah. free. Mm -hmm. And he wants us to be free in this area of sexuality. He wants our children to be free in this area of sexuality. And that is mm -hmm. by walking the, down the road that he has made for us yeah. as human beings, made in his image. What a, what a great privilege it is that we're made in the image of God. And he wants us to live that out in the world that we're living in. And so we have an opportunity as believers in Christ, as believers who are having children who are being raised up with a positive, a positive sex view, if you will, um, in such a way that they can go out into our world and free our world from this slavery that you just referred to. So, so if you want a more in-depth treatment on this topic in a sense from more of a philosophical point of view and guys that are way smarter than, than I am, you can go and listen. I just listened this last week to an episode on the pug cast pug, like dog pug cast. And it was the title of the podcast. I was like, I had to click on it cause it was so intriguing. It was, are you a, what is it? Are you a plastic pleasure monkey? Are you a plastic? <laughs> pleasure okay. Monkey? And the reason being because of comments made at the Global Economic Forum by Klaus Schwab, I think is his name is. is he, his goal of humanity is for them to own nothing and be happy. Own <laughs> nothing and be happy. Okay, now wow. here, here's the idea. First off, we got well, what do you mean by happy? And basically, when you understand what they're wanting, they want to, re they want to reduce humanity to plastic pleasure monkeys. So think of a mouse in a cage 
who knows if he goes and pushes that button, he'll get food or he'll get a pleasurable experience. Okay, that's their goal for mankind. Mm. They believe we're they believe we're plastic. We can mold ourselves and shape ourselves into whatever it is that we want to be. They're already making those things, so you have pleasure. We're a plastic self. <laughs> mm-hmm. Chief, chiefly, what are we? We're for pleasure. That's why we're here. Yeah. We're we're basically just here for pleasure, right? And we're nothing more than a monkey. We're nothing more than nothing more in a cage. And so, if you want to go deeper into that, it's pretty fascinating. But if if I'm gonna if I was gonna throw one more wrench in the works here, oh no, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Can a robot consent? They're getting pretty close. Because that's where we're going right now. No, that's where we're going. Yeah, for sure. So they're creating sex robots right now. Yep. Uh, for this purpose. Silicone ones, all the and, things. Uh, so it's like, so so it's like you're gonna get into AI, and again, it's if you can dream it, we want to be able to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, listen, I know. People will be like, oh, why are you talking about this? All we're doing is shining a light yeah. on something that yeah. is going mainstream. It's mainstream, and we want to shine a light on it so our people and our parents can be aware of it yeah. and they can do what they need to do to, yeah. to resist it and train our kids in the midst of this. Um, well, Paul said it, in the midst of this evil age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. yep. And yet Paul is the one who also says who wins. Christ wins. Yeah. He's the resurrected Lord. He is the one who is going to win, and we are the ones who are to carry out that win day by day in yeah. the lives of our lives, mm-hmm. in the lives of our family, in the lives of our children. So let's do it. And let's go win. And we don't need, we, we <laughs> want massive revival, but that's not really what we need. What we need is normies, Christian normies yeah. that just love their wife, mm-hmm. love their husband, make babies, raise Christian children, Everyday educate life. those children mm-hmm. in a Christian way, yeah. and then the cycle continues. Yep. If they're out having sex with robots, guess what? No that children. Ro- no children. <laughs> yeah. If they're homosexuals, guess what? No children. Yeah. Yep. Like, this is yeah. a curse. Mm-hmm. This is part of the curse. Yeah. It, part of the curse is they can't procreate. And that's why you say that because I just uh, jumped into our new uh, sermon series called Heroes of the Faith, talking about Noah, and that's what he he was doing. He's being consistent. He was had epic faith when no one else would, right? And he was being consistent of taking care of his family, right? He was preaching the gospel, right, and building this boat. Yep. <laughs> Follow me. <laughs> one board at a time. Yeah. One board at a time yeah. for many years. Yeah, so. that's good. All right. Well, thanks for the encouraging uh, podcast there, Rob. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah I saw you, Rob. Right. Yeah, okay. If you got any questions uh, or podcast topics you want us to discuss, please send them to me, Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. We do love you. We appreciate you listening. We're thankful to God for you. God bless. Talk to you soon.